that? Those of you who know me know that I, I, when I ask questions, I don't really expect an answer. I expect you to wait till I answer the question. But anyway, the most important thing, obviously, is when we say the al It's so important, these al that we say it after Mincha, Erev Yom HaKippurim. Now, there's no doubt that Mincha, Erev Yom HaKippurim, what is that? What will water do for me? The McAllen's <laughs> got me to hear. <laughs> okay. The, the, it's so important. These al are so important that we say them after Mincha. And we daven Mincha on Yom HaKippurim. Usually the Minhag is to daven Mincha early so that we do the Suda after we daven Mincha. So why do we say al if al has something to do with Yom HaKippurim? So we know that you say al because the Gemara and the Halacha are afraid that we will kind of expire before Yom HaKippurim. We won't have a chance. We'll get to like so into eating Arab Yom HaKippurim that we'll just expire. And therefore, we have to say the Al-Chait. We have the Chaparayim. Before we potentially might uh, uh, might uh, expire. Now, what are these al Let's look at a few of them. Let's look at it. al means, and I want to mention a chait. Mention a chait, we have a name for that. We have a name for that, that's called vidui. A vidui is a confession. If I did a chait, if I did an avera, so I have to stand before God and say, I did it. This is what I did. That's called a vidui. Now, let's look at the first line in the viduyim. Al chait shechatano lefanecha be'ones uveratzon. Ones uveratzon. That's what it says. By ratzon is a Hebrew word that means willfully. Okay? If you did something willfully... You have to pay the price. And the price is that you have to do tshuva and you have to do vidui. Right? You have to say you're sorry and you have to announce the chait that you did. But what does the word onus mean? What does the word onus mean? Huh? Onus means I had no intention. I did something, but I had no intention to do it at all. And what's the rule about onus? Ones Rahmana Patre. Ones Rahmana Patre means God, God doesn't hold you accountable for Ones. So what do you mean we say here Al Khatanu Lifanecha Baones Baones? What do you mean Baones? Ones is not a hate. Ones not a hate. Let's get another one. Right? The 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 continuation. Al chet shechatan lefanecha beimutz alev, imutz alev, like you harden your heart a little bit. Not you know so much that you could get a heart attack, but sort of like callousness. You weren't friendly. You weren't open. You were like a doctor in a hospital, right? What kind of chet is that? 
I mean, I understand you should be a nice person. But if you're not a nice person, okay. I mean, it's not something, it's not criminal. You didn't steal, you didn't kill, you didn't talk Russian hara. You didn't do any of those things. Imutz alev. Imutz alev. Now, what about this one? The next one. What does bilidat mean? That's like ones. In other words, you see that the al you go through all of them, and our conclusion will be the same. That we confess, we confess not only to things that we might have done, but we also confess the things that we might have done that are not chata'im. They're not avonot. And the Rambam says clearly in Hilchot Tshuva, Perik Aleph, that what do you do, Tshuva? When do you do Tshuva? When do you have to repent? What you did? What you transgressed? And here with the Alchet that we say, we, we, we confess to things that are not even not even avonot. Bitui svatayim, galui veseiter, right? Dibur peh, we talked a lot. It's not loshon hara. We just talk too much. We talk too much. We weren't careful. But we didn't necessarily talk loshon hara. So these al-chaits, to my mind, define the day called Yom HaKippurim. And in order to understand this better, there are a few points that I have to remind you of. The first is, this uh, very special distinction that was made first by the Minchat Chinuch in the Rambam. The Rambam says, I have it, I have have the Rambam. You don't have this Rambam, but I have it. It's always good, always good for the teacher to maintain an advantage. So anyway, you don't have this on the sheet. But the Rambam says, Kol mitzvot sheba Torah, all the mitzvot, if you transgressed, you didn't do what you're supposed to do, or you did what you're not supposed to do. This is the Rambam. That's the topic. Then he says, So the Rambam says, translation. Translation is, When he does tshuva. The Minchat Chinuch said that that means that tshuva, according to the Rambam, is a natural reaction. Is that a person? A person is a Torah person. A person keeps the mitzvot. That person does the right thing, and suddenly that person discovers that he's messed up, or that she has messed up. Absolute parity between men and women in messing up. So that naturally. He doesn't want to get back. He wants to be in the right place and not in the wrong place. And what brings you to the right place? Tshuva. So the Minchat Chinuch says that the opinion of the Rambam was that everybody just does tshuva naturally. You don't have to be commanded to do tshuva. You don't have to make it into a mitzvah to do, to do tshuva. But the Rambam says, Chayav litvadot. But confession... That is a mitzvah. Because if the Torah hadn't demanded that I confess, I never would have confessed. Why should I confess? It's enough that I'm doing tshuva. 
It's enough that I, my heart is in the right place. It's enough that I'm thinking the right thing. Why do I have to say vidui? So the Torah comes and says, look, you have to say vidui. You have to say vidui. You have to confess. Now, while it's true that not everybody accepted uh, this distinction that was made originally by the Minchat Chinuch, and there are many questions that were asked on this Rambam, personally, I find the distinction to be a good one, a helpful one. Because, because after all, if a person uh, does the, the, the Sefer Yireim, Sefer Yireim was written by one of the Balea Tosot Rabbi Lozov Emetz. It's like a kind of a Shulchan Aruch. And when it comes to the Tshuva, the, the Sefer Yireim asks, well, when's the time? When should you do Tshuva? Where's the best time to do tshuva? So the Rasefi Rehim said, okay, as soon as you realize that you did an Avera, you're not going to wait to do tshuva. You're going to do tshuva right away. That's what the, the, the Sefi Rehim says. So if you have to do tshuva right away, so we see that in essence, tshuva has nothing at all to do with Yom HaKippurim. Because... Who said? I mean, you probably didn't do any Averis during a Seredimei Tshuva, right? You're actually more careful. Like everything is more serious during a Seredimei Tshuva. So the chances that you have to do Tshuva for something that you just did on Yom HaKippur, of Yom HaKippurim, are, are infinitesimally small. It's, it's that's not reasonable to say that. However, however, the Vidui is part of Yom HaKippurim. And that vidui, that vidui of Yom HaKippurim, the vidui, which is a confession on Yom HaKippurim, has two interesting elements to it. If you look at the, the beginning of Achrei Mot, which is on the sheet that I gave you, you would see, if you look at it, if you look at it, you'll see that there are two remarkable elements about the Seder HaAvodah on Yom HaKippurim. First, uh, at the beginning, Pasuk Hei, Obe'et Adat B'nei Yisrael Yikach Shnei Seirei Izim Lechatat V'ayel Echadola. The Kohen Gadol brings certain sacrifices on Yom HaKippurim. Pasuk Vav, V'ikriv Aron Et Par HaChatat HaShalom V'chiper Ba'ado U'va'ad Be'kam. First, the Kohen Gadol sacrifices his personal sacrifice, chatat, a sin offering. But by the end of the day, by the end of that day of Yom HaKippurim, the Kohen Gadol, it says about the Kohen Gadol, the first thing that is absolutely remarkable about Yom HaKippurim is that the Kohen Gadol, and Rashi says, Rashi says that he confesses the sins of the entire nation. All of Am Yisrael, all of Am Yisrael is in his hands. They're all standing there waiting for him, the Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol to... to do the vidui, to do the confession. 
and achieve some kind of success for Cloud Yisrael. And this part of the davening, the part of the davening in Musaf, Anyoma Kippurim, has become of very special importance. Because what we do, at least the men, and in some places not yet, not yet so popular, women also, um, imitate the Beit HaMikdash, imitate what was going on in the Beit HaMikdash, and what was going on in the Beit HaMikdash was a Kohanim Ve'am, the Kohanim, and all the people in the Beit HaMikdash, and we do that. We fall on our, on our faces, right? You know that, that this often creates a halachic problem. If the floor, if the floor, uh, what, what is this made out of? Is it stone? Would you call it stone? So you know there's an Isidoraisa to bow down, to genuflect completely on stone. So if it's a stone floor, if the shul that you're in has a stone floor, which is, I guess, every shul in Israel has a stone floor. So you have to make sure that you don't put your face. People make the mistake. They think that they're supposed to put some kind of shmate on the floor in order to keep their knees clean. But, but usually, if you're wearing pants, that problem is solved. But the problem is that you can't put your face down on the stone floor. So what you have to do is put something in between the stone floor and yourself, right? So this is, a, uh, this is something we do. For the Shlich Tzibur, of course, it becomes acrobatic, an act of acrobatics, because uh, he's got to do that again and again and again and somehow keep his feet together. I used to do that when I was a Shavikh Tzibur, but I don't know how I did it. <laughs> Today, I certainly couldn't do it. But the idea, you get the idea that somehow, you know, the Jews, they want everything. They want to be Inchman Esrei and Adishman Esrei. They want to do it and do something else. So this idea that the, that the uh, Kohen Gadol on Yom HaKippurim is able to achieve atonement for all of Kalal Yisrael is a kind of unique idea that we emphasize in our davening when we bow down. We bow down again and again and we say those words, so that, that we come back to this question. What, what do you mean? I mean? How does the Kohen Gadol, if I did, if I transgressed and I have to do tshuva, Whenever I transgress, or as the Rambam said, my natural reaction to sin is to do tshuva. So why? What's the Kohen Gadol got to do with it? In what way is the Kohen Gadol helpful to me if I didn't do, if I didn't do uh, tshuva? So the Rambam, interestingly, answers that question. If you look at the bottom, towards the bottom of the sheet, Hilchot Tshuva, Perak Aleph, Halacha Gimel, the Rambam makes the following interesting statement. He said, Today, there is no Beit HaMikdash. We don't have an altar that atones, that gives us atonement. All we have left, all we have left is Tshuva. 
התשובה מכפרת על כל העבירות. בתשובה, today, is able to atone for all of the transgressions that we do. אפילו כל ימיו, רשע כל ימיו, אם סובל is a wicked person all his days, ועשה תשובה באחרונה, and then just recently, you know, somebody told him, it's good to do תשובה before you expire. אין מזכירים לו שום דבר, you don't mention that he was once a wicked person, because now he's okay. מרישו שנאמר, רשעת הרשע לא ייכשל בו ביום שובו מרישו. That a person is no longer liable for the wickedness that he did if he does, if he does uh, תשובה. ועצמו של יום הכיפורים מכפר לשווים. And the day, יום הכיפורים, it somehow deals with the people who are willing to do tshuva, shenemaki b'yom hazeh yichapeh alichem, so there's a mystery. What do you mean the day of Yom HaKippurim is mechapeh? What is it mechapeh? You do tshuva. You do tshuva, the tshuva is accepted in heaven, and that, and you automatically get kapara. So there's something missing here. There's something missing here, and that's in the other strange halacha of the Beit HaMikdash. And that halacha is that there are two goats, you know, Shnei Seirim. One goat is going to be sacrificed in the Beit HaMikdash and one goat is going to be sent away La Azazel. Azazel, you know, is a place to the east of the Beit HaMikdash in the desert, someplace. And then you push the goat off the, some precipice and it goes, gets killed. Now this goat that is sent out to Azazel. What is Azazel? Azazel is something negative, something bad. Uh, you might call it Satan. You might call it the Satan. Satan is a biblical word, so I figured I could use it. What's a Satan? What is a Satan? I said, look, the only Satan that I know about, or I know something about, is the Satan in the book of Eof. Remember the Satan in the book of Eov? So the Satan came to HaKadosh Baruch and said, you know, Eov, he's, he's a good guy. He does mitzvot. And he has nice children. And he, uh, he eats only super kosher food. And Bechal, he's a super kosher guy. And, and you would think that God would re- rightfully be proud. Would rightfully be proud of, of Eov. The Satan says to, to Satan says, yeah, I said, you know, anybody could be righteous if he was advantaged like Eov. If he had all that money and he had those nice children and he lived in a big house. Of course, I mean, why not? Why not be good? And then the story goes on and says that HaKadosh Baruch wanted to prove to Eov that he was wrong. And so how did HaKadosh Baruch prove to Eov that he was wrong? He took everything away from him. He took away his money, he took away his house, he took away his children. He gave him pain and affliction. And still, Eo did not lose faith. That's the story. The story in the first chapter of Eo, at the last chapter of Eo. But that's the story. So what is the Satan? 
What is the satan? The satan is somebody who could turn good into bad. Oh yeah, it's good. But look at the at, at why it's good. Look at what's causing that good. Look at how happy they are. How pleasant everything is. How how advantaged they are. That's the satan. So there's a gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Dav Yud Zayin Amud Aleph, which asks the following question about Rosh Hashanah. It says, "Lama tokim umriim biyeshiva, ve'lama tokim ve'lama tokim umriim ba'amida." Those of you who remember Rosh Hashanah, which this year was approximately a week ago, right? If you still remember, you know that we blow shofar. Like we, it's like a little strange. We blow shofar after Kriyat Torah. Nachon? Yes? Are you still with me? You blow shofar after Kriyat Torah. And when you blow shofar after Kriyat Torah, how many blasts do you blast? What? 30. 30. Very good. 30. And when you blast 30 blasts, what have you accomplished? What? You've accomplished the Mitzvah Doraita. Comes the Mitzvah Doraita. Finished. You can go home. What about the shofar that we blow during, during Musaf? What about that? Well, there's another idea that we have that when we say the Psukim of Malchiot and Zichronot and Shofarot, we should also blow the shofar. How do we blow the shofar? How do we blow the shofar in Musaf? I know how we do it after Kriyat Torah. We have 30 blasts at five. But how do we do it after, after Musaf? So the answer in the Shulchan Aruch is different ways. There are different minhagim. And the Mishnah Brewer says, Mishnah Brewer says, well, look, you know, you already did the mitzvah. So you could do it this way, you could do it that way, you could do more blasts or less blasts. You could do whatever you want. You could do it any way you want. And there, you know, any of the different possibilities. And then there's a third obligation that's to agree with Shofar. And that is that, that this was uh, something that comes basically from the Shalom, from the Arizal, that you have to blow a hundred blasts. A hundred blasts, that's a minhat. And we, I would call that a minhat. Midoraita, 30 blasts after Kriyata Torah, you finished. Midorabanan, you have to blow the ones after Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. At Minhag, you have to blow a hundred blasts. So Ashkenazim, and Sfaradim, and Chassidim, they all have a different cheshbon. Chassidim, who blow Shofar during the silent Shmon Esrei, as well as the Shlich Tzibur Shmon Esrei, they only have ten left over to make a hundred, right? They did thirty and thirty and thirty. And they have ten left over. Most Ashkenazim in Eretz Yisrael, either Nusach Ashkenaz or Nusach Sraad, but Ashkenazim, it doesn't matter, blow 30 after Kriyat Torah, 30 in Chazarat Ashatz, and then they have 40 left, which they somehow figure out how to, how to do. Uh, they have, it, doesn't really, it doesn't make any difference when you do it, but they actually, the, the common minhag is to do it as soon as possible. So after Shemona Esrei, of Musaf, the Chazan starts saying Kaddish. And then before he finishes, the guy with the shofar starts blasting away on the shofar. Right? Because, he, because everybody's tired of not talking. Since there's a secondary, <laughs> a secondary halacha that you want the bracha, 
which really is only about the mitzvah. is about the mitzvah. When when did you do the mitzvah to catch a fire? The first thirty. So why don't you talk after the first thirty? Because there's a, another kind of halacha that you don't make a bracha. Usually, you don't make a bracha on the minhag. But if you attach the minhag to the mitzvah, right? You know, you glue it together, so then the bracha can count also for the minhag. So since we are those kinds of people, and since it's Rosh Hashanah, we want to get the biggest bang for our buck, right? Which means we want the bracha to also be appropriate for the minhag. So we try not to talk for the time he makes the, the, the baltokeya, makes the bracha until after a hundred, a hundred blasts. But in fact, in fact, the main shofar blowing that we are connected to is the kiyot after Kriyat HaTorah. The, 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 uh, and in the olden times, you know, in the olden times when people used to come to hear only Tkiyat uh, Shofar, uh, well, women used to come, you know, they had shuls all over Europe that didn't have an Ezrat Nashim. Women didn't go to Daven. It was not so, uh, so common. It's not common as it is today that women would go to shul, but they all came to hear Kriyat Shofar. So there are uh, artists who have drawn these pictures of Rosh Hashanah, of, of, watching, of listening to Kriyat Shofar. You see the shul, the building of the shul, and outside of the building are women standing next to all the windows so they could hear, they could hear the uh, Kriyat Shofar. So the main thing in Kriyat Shofar are those 30, are those 30 blasts after Kriyat Torah. But in order to connect the bracha to even the minhag, all the hundreds of blasts of the, of the shofar, which I said is a minhag that apparently started with the Arizal. Even though it's true that the Tosos and the, and the, the Medrash says that, that Aim Sisra, remember Aim Sisra? Sisra's mom, who was, was very unhappy that uh, he was dead. You don't remember that? Yael Eishet Chever Hakeni. She took a tent peg and used it to split open his head and discovered that it's very hard to live in that condition. So when Aim Sisra found out about it, she kind of warbled, you know, whatever it is that she did, a hundred times. So that's the only connection that we know of a hundred to, uh, to Aim Sisra. So, we know, we know that uh, Tkiyat Shofar, Tkiyat Shofar has another, ha- has an interesting aspect to it, as the Rambam says. This Tkiyat Shofar that I'm talking about, right? So the Rambam says, if you look at the bottom of the sheet, no, the, the back, the second side of the sheet, um, Perek Gimel Halacha Dalit, right? Perek Gimel Halacha Dalit, the fourth Halacha. Afal P, the famous Halacha, the Ramam Shetkiyat Shofar B'Rosh Hashanah, Gzeirat HaKatuv. Even though we all know that Tkiyat Shofar is a, 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 a Torah ordination. The Torah says, do it. Gzeirat HaKatuv. Which also means that, that we don't know why. We, we don't know exactly why. The Torah told us to blow the shofar. Even though it's Gzerat HaKatuv, Rem is Yeshbo, the Rambam says. And this is the language of the Rambam. Does it appear any place 
before the Rambam. I mean, there is a certain kind of reference, but the Rambam was always very careful to quote Chazal. Here he doesn't quote anybody. He's saying himself. He says, Remez Yeshbo. What does Remez Yeshbo mean? There's, there's like a hidden meaning. A Remez. I'm not talking about the authority of that Remez, but there's a Remez. There's some kind of a hint. And what is the hint? Remez Yeshbo. Klomar. What is the Remez? Uru Yishenim Mishinatchem Vignirdamim Akitsu the Rambam says the shofar that we blow on Rosh Hashanah is like an alarm clock. It's like a, a noise, a big blast. And what does that noise do? It wakes you up. And what does it wake you up to? It wakes you up to, I don't know what, to what does it wake you up to? I mean, you imagine that somebody transgressed, but doesn't know that he transgressed, doesn't know that he did it. So what is the chauffeur going to do for him? But just because you blow a chauffeur, you blow a chauffeur, people are going to start doing tshuva? Where did Rabbam get this idea from? I mean, what is he talking about? So let's get back to the Sa'ir HaMishtaleya. Right, the Sa'ir HaMishtaleya, you send it out into the desert... And I told you that the Sa'ir Meshtalech was the Satan. And then I explained to you that the Satan is the, is the voice within us that says, if, it, it's easy for me to do it. I might not do it if I was, like, really in trouble. That's Eov. That's the Satan of Eov. So the Gemara says, why do we blow the shofar? Why did we blow the shofar after Kriyata Torah? That's called Yeshiva. And then we blow it again, Ba'amidah, to mix up the Satan. What are we mixing up the Satan? What does the, the Satan care when we blow shofar? Can you imagine? The Satan is sitting around and waiting to see what's going to happen. Are they going to blow shofar this year? Are they going to blow shofar twice? We, you know, once when they really have to and the other time they don't have to. Is that what's going to happen? So Rashi says, I says, when the Satan sees how devoted we are to mitzvot, that we want to blow the shofar more than we have to blow the shofar. We want to do the mitzvah more than we have to do the mitzvah. Then he'll kind of fade away. He will fade away on that day. So that the shofar, the shofar creates a righteousness in me. Because of the fact, according to Rashi, that I blow the shofar not once, but twice. And so, the Rambam says, if you look at, uh, let's look at that halacha. <coughs> Again, Rambam, Perak Aleph, Halacha Gimel. The Rambam says, Bizman Hazeh, Shein Beit HaMikdash Kayam, Ve'en Lanu Mizbeach Kapara, Ain't sham ela tshuva. There's nothing, only tshuva. What does tshuva mean? What does tshuva mean according to the Rambam? According to the Rambam, remember we said that the Rambam, the thing is tshuva, which is a natural act, and vidui, which is an obligatory act. So when the Rambam says, Ain't ela tshuva, what does the Rambam mean? The Rambam means, Ain't ela vidui, because vidui is the thing that we're obliged to do. 
We're obliged to do the vidur. That's why to do tshuva, unless we know that there's a, a particular veira, and when is the time to do tshuva? Every day. Every day is that time. So I say, even though I'm telling you something that you might perceive as being a little bit difficult, I could see that, because it's difficult. But when the rabbi says, Ein sham ela tshuva, he means vidui. Ha-tshuva mechaperet al-kol averot. And the vidui takes care of all of the averot. What averot does the vidui take care of? The ones that you had to be woken up about. Which ones they have to be woken up about? What does the shofar have to wake you up about? Has to wake you up about the Averis that you did that you didn't know were Averis. You didn't know you did it. You didn't know you did it for whatever reason. You thought Adarabha, you thought you were a righteous person. You thought you did the right thing. You thought you gave enough stakao. You thought you didn't speak Lashon Harao. You thought that you were nice to the people you had to be nice to. But maybe you weren't. Okay, that the Rambam says. And then he goes on, skip a line. He says, The essence of Yom Kippurim, the day of Yom Kippurim, is designed to atone for those who do tshuva. Translation, to atone for those who do vidui. That's what the Rambam himself said, according to the Mechat Chinuch. That what is it we do? What mitzvah do we accomplish? We accomplish the mitzvah of vidui. So on Yom HaKippurim, on Yom HaKippurim, the Sa'er HaMishtaleach takes care of this odd notion of the Satan that I can attack the Jews for being... Uh, undev- not devoted enough, not clear enough. And the Kohen Gadol, he comes and he says, I want to atone, I want to achieve atonement for all of Kal Yisrael. How does he achieve atonement for all of Kal Yisrael? Because everybody does the vidui. Everybody says, even things I don't know about, even mitzvot that that I've transgressed, that I have no idea that I transgressed, even they, even they, I, I beg for atonement. So we look again. We look again at the Al-Chaytche Chatanu Lefanecha. Al-Chaytche Chatanu Lefanecha Ba'ones It's true, it happened. It's true that I'm innocent. It's true that I don't have to think about it, I don't have to do tshuva. But I'm doing fidui for all the blocks that I stumbled over, whether I'm obliged to or not. And the nature of Yom HaKippurim is Kibayom HaZeh Yitahar Etchem. And the difference between Kapara and Tahara is that Kapara, atonement, is something that's necessary. I, I can't live if I don't have it. I did something wrong. I have to somehow straighten myself out before HaKadosh Baruch. Tahara, purity, that's something else. That means that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is accepting of you. Come closer. Be together. But in order to be close to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you have to achieve some level of purity of Tahara. And that's what we do in Yom HaKippurim. We say, Al-Chayt Shechatan Ulefanecha Be'ones there are all these kinds of things that we do which are not Averot. They're not transgressions. But they don't indicate 
a purity of soul or a significant a significant position in my daily existence. And that's what Yom HaKippurim does. Yom HaKippurim does not take care of those blatant transgressions which we have to deal with. Yes, we deal with it. We have to, we have to ask for forgiveness. And as I said, the Uraim says, when do you ask for forgiveness? Every day. When you did the transgression, you have to ask for forgiveness. We're going to wait till Yom HaKippurim comes along. Yom HaKippurim is a special day. It's a special day. It teaches us. All these Inuyim, we call them, we call them Inuyim, uh, tortures. But they're not really torturous. What, what not eating and not drinking, right, what it does for us is teach us the value of time. It teaches us how to use ourselves, our bodies, our time, more effectively. Well, it reminds us that we have a choice. There's a choice you could sit and eat and do nothing and claim that you're eating. So that's, you know, you claim that that's something. Or you can eat as much as you need and go on to more important things, whether they're Talmud Torah or Gemilat Chesed or Tzedakah. All of those things, you know, they take time. And if you give the time to the less important things, then you have this problem with the more important things. So that the catch of Yom HaKippurim, we started out and we said, what is Yom HaKippurim about? I think that Yom HaKippurim is about the purity of the soul. It's about making the soul or the spirit in you uh, more appropriate for a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch. Of course, if you sinned, there are gross sins that you have. You have to take care of that. You have to do away with that. But that's not why Yom HaKippurim came. Yom HaKippurim came into the world because people deserved, HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt, that people deserve the option of letaher eschem, of being pure, of being pure enough to come closer and closer to HaKadosh Baruch I wish you all the best. Oh dear. You said that to Jeff? Yeah. Give it to I'm going to say it. What? It's an iPad? Yeah.